One of the highlights of Sundays for me, as well as Sunday morning church, is the BBC series Seven Worlds, One Planet. Any of you watching it? Yeah? Okay. David Attenborough and an intrepid film crew take us to the seven continents and present us with extraordinary images of wildlife surviving in the harshest of climates. For those of you who've been watching it, were you urging that baby albatross in the Antarctica to, to struggle back into the nest? Uh, and were you cheering when, the, when the, the bird in the deserts of Iran managed to escape from the jaws of the viper? Yes, we were urging them. We were, we were on the edge of our sofas uh, watching these animals uh, surviving in, or not surviving in some cases, in, in the harshest of climates. For me, these films are a wonderful celebration of the power of God in creation. We read in Genesis 1, God created great sea creatures and every sort of bird, small animals that move along the ground and wild animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God created human beings in his own image. Then God looked over all that he had made and he saw it was very good. The world around us, planet Earth, the universe is a magnificent, awesome evidence of God's power in creation. And we humans are the climax of God's creative power. Psalm 8 tells us, God has crowned us with glory and honor. He's given us charge over the rest of his creation. What a responsibility that is. Almighty God is just that, almighty. Omnipotent, omnipotent. And we celebrate his power every day to give us life, to sustain us, to protect us, to restore us, to breathe his life into us, body, mind, and spirit. Our very lives depend on and flourish under God's blessing. And as we were reminded last week, we long to see and to experience more of his power at work in our lives today. Our God is a God of power, and he's a God of love. And he can and he will express that power and that love in the life of everyone who turns to him. Today's talk in the Power of God series is entitled, Jesus the Redeemer. And I think, have we got a, a little... There it is, up behind me. The power of God, Jesus the Redeemer. Uh, and we've subtitled this talk, Power Over Broken Lives and Release of New Identity. And I'll be focusing today on the redeeming power of Jesus. Our mission community is currently running an Alpha course. And each week, we invite someone to share their story of how they became a Christian. 
And in the first four weeks, we've heard um, from Aid and Paul and Alison and Polly. And what is interesting is how different each story is. But what they all have in common is an experience of God's power, a testimony of the love and the forgiveness of Jesus, and a story of a life that is being totally transformed. Just remember those three things. An experience of God's power, a testimony of the love and the forgiveness of Jesus, and a story of a life that's being totally transformed. I wonder whether you have a story of God's power at work in your life. Don't worry, I'm not going to pick on anyone But it's certainly a question we can ask ourselves. Have I had an experience of God's power? You see, I believe that we are all on a spiritual journey. The very fact that you've come here this morning suggests that you are on some sort of spiritual journey. And I believe that there can be a point on that journey when we can say yes I've had an encounter with Jesus. Yes, I've been set free from the power of sin. Yes, I've got a brand new identity as a follower of Jesus. I am sure that that's what our Heavenly Father wants for each one of his children. So if you've got a story to tell in the coming weeks, uh, we would love to hear it. The stories we tell help us to make sense of what's happening in our lives. And they help us to form our identity. So I thought I'd tell you a couple of my stories, the stories of God's power at work in my life. First of all, a story from my childhood. One Sunday afternoon at the age of 10, I was on my way to a crusader group. Now, crusaders was a I guess the equivalent of our Sunday club that the kids have just gone out to. This particular group was run in Clifton, in Bristol, very close to Bristol Zoo. And because it was a sunny Sunday afternoon, all the buses that came along were absolutely rammed full. I was planning to get the bus to get there, but I couldn't. Every bus just sailed on past. They were all full. And so I ended up walking and running to get there. Just before I reached my destination, I didn't check properly before crossing a busy main road, and I was hit by a car, and I could have been killed. When I came round uh, a few minutes later, in the middle of the road, there were two paramedics attending to me already. And at the very moment that the accident had happened, an ambulance just happened to be turning out of a side road immediately behind me. And although I ended up with with a terrible injury to my back, there was no lasting damage. And I thank God for preserving my life. God's power at work to rescue me 
from what could have been something much, much more serious. And, you know, we will never know how our lives have been preserved from danger and accident. Angels are watching over you and me. I believe that. And so often we are preserved, we are saved from accident, our own fault or someone else's uh, in the most miraculous way. And then story number two, which of course is the most significant story. It was when I was a student at the age of 19 that I asked Jesus to be my saviour and Lord. I'd been brought up in a Christian home. I'd often prayed the prayer uh, as, as a boy. But when I left home for university in London, I decided to turn my back on God and live life my way. My relationship with God, such as it was, was totally put on hold in favor of other relationships. And though I let go of God, he never let go of me. And in an extraordinary way, I found myself reading and rereading the Bible. I had a little Bible, in fact, it's the New Testament, this very one, which was a copy of the New Testament in Modern English by J.B. Phillips. It was the very first attempt to translate the Bible into modern English. And I read this, I reread it everywhere I went, on the tube, on park benches. I just took this everywhere with me. And eventually I knew that I had to turn back to God. I had to confess my sins. I had to say yes to Jesus. And I can still remember that day when I made that hugely significant decision. Do you know, there was an almost tangible sense of relief, of a great weight being lifted off me, and, and a deep joy. I knew that life would never be the same again. I was forever changed. I had a new identity as a child of God and as a follower of Jesus. And I celebrated there and then with a beer and a pizza on Gouge Street in an Italian. <laughs> Every time we hear one of these faith stories, we're hearing a testimony of the redeeming love of Jesus. But many people will ask, well, what does this redeem word mean? What does the Bible mean when it talks about our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness? That's Titus 2, verse 13. The verb to redeem is used in the Bible in two often interchangeable ways. Sometimes it's to deliver from a situation of distress. At other times, it's to obtain release by paying a price, to buy back. Here's another definition. To redeem something is to give it worth again, 
to revalue it, to buy it back. For the first Christians, many of whom were from a Jewish background, this concept was familiar. Their ancestors had been redeemed from slavery in Egypt. You probably know the story. If you haven't read it in the Bible, you will know it from the Prince of Egypt. They were redeemed from slavery in Egypt. And these first Christians would have remembered the words from Exodus. Exodus 6, 6. I will rescue you, says God, from slavery. I will redeem you, intervening with great acts of judgment. These people knew that this redemption was not just a rescue from slavery, a rescue from the suffering that they were experiencing, but it was also a deliverance into the freedom and joy of the new life in the promised land. So it was two things. It was not just a rescue job, get you out of Egypt, get you out of slavery, but it was a deliverance into the freedom, the joy, the new life that God had promised them in the promised land. God's power to redeem was part of their national DNA. They knew that they were a redeemed people group. So they understood this concept of redemption. But what about the first century Christians from a Greek or a, a Roman background? Well, it's interesting that they too would have understood because they were well aware of the practice of redemption in the slave markets, where slaves would be freed by the payment of a ransom price. Redemption was a concept, something that they all understood. So here's the relevance of all this. The Bible tells us that redemption came by Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 3, that God sent his Son so that he might redeem us, Galatians 4. Through his death on the cross, Jesus paid the ransom and set us free. We are freed from the power and the penalty of sin. And Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be really free. This is true freedom. Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I love that verse because it talks about God rescuing us from the dominion of darkness and taking us, bringing us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. The Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is what Jesus, the Redeemer, has achieved for you and me by his death on the cross. As the old hymn puts it, we are ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. We 
shared a, a up-to-date example last week, a very recent high-profile example of God's power to radically change a life. The story of American rapper Kanye West, a man who used to mock Christ and make music about all sorts of profane things, who's now declared that he's a born-again Christian. That from now on, he will only produce music that glorifies the name of Jesus. And there are lots of views about this. Is this a publicity stunt? Uh, is this a hoax? But the man, it would appear, is determined to glorify the name of Jesus from now onwards. And so this recently released album entitled Jesus is King declares his faith in Jesus. It's a testimony of salvation and transformation of a life that's being redeemed by Jesus Christ. So I went online and listened to it. Well, it's, um, it's there for us all to listen to. Um, we were going to play a bit this morning, but actually we thought better of it. Um, but listen to this quote from God is. I'm not going to wrap it. Uh, <laughs> King of kings, Lord of lords, all the things he has in store, from the rich to the poor, all are welcome through the door. Go for it. You will never be the same when you call on Jesus' name. Listen to the words I'm saying. Jesus saved me. Now I'm sane. We want to pray for this man because he's it would seem standing out as someone who has been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. And Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. To give his life as a ransom for many. You, me, and the man in America. <laughs> and there's more. When we say yes to Jesus, we gain a new identity. We're born into the family of God by means of a second spiritual birth. In the prologue to his gospel, John writes this. He's speaking of Jesus, the word, and he says, To all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Reborn with a birth that comes from God. We are born again. You can read all about it in the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus in John's Gospel, chapter 3. Note that we are welcomed into God's family as we choose to believe in Jesus, as we make that choice. And with God as our Father, we have a new identity based solely on our relationship with God. We are sons and daughters of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. 
The old is gone, a new life has begun. A new life has begun. We have a new ID. Listen to this quote. It it may help people who fear that this is some sort of sinister reprogramming plot. Gaining a new identity does not mean that we are uh, erased in the process. God rewrites who we are, preserving all our former experiences. He simply transforms them by placing them in a new context and giving them a new meaning. We lose nothing, yet gain a lot, because faith cannot remain on the periphery. If it is genuine, it becomes the central organizing principle which holds all our other identity traits in a new unity. When the first disciples in Antioch coined a novel term and first started calling themselves Christians, they did so in order to express that changed reality. I love that idea of God rewriting who we are. Taking who we are and placing it in a totally new context, giving us a new identity in Christ. Assuming our new identity in Jesus is the start of a lifelong process of transformation. We start to become the men and women God created us to be. And our aim, our desire is to be like Jesus and to please God more and more. Jesus talked about this new identity and how it would change our lives. And here's a very short extract from the teachings of Jesus, which is about this new identity that we have. This is Luke chapter 6 in uh, a modern version of the Bible, The Message, and it's radical. I tell you, says Jesus... Love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives towards us. Generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind. You be kind. Jesus is encouraging us. He's telling us that we will live out this new identity, this God-created identity, in the same way as Father God lives towards us. Our God is gracious. Our God is generous. Our God is kind. And that is the people that we are to be. Our church mission statement is this, going with the good news and growing followers of Jesus. There it is. When we receive the good news and put our faith in Jesus, we become Christians. Jesus Christ rescues us, he forgives us, and he gives us new and eternal life. And I'm sure you'll agree with me, this is very good news. 
That's why we, we've put that as the first part of our mission statement as a church. We want to go with that good news. We want to tell everyone about this amazing good news that we have. But that's just the start. We then begin a journey of transformation. It doesn't happen overnight. And I'm sure some of us are quite relieved that it hasn't happened overnight. We become ever more Christ-like as we follow Jesus. The original followers of Jesus were known as disciples. And our, our new identity as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, is one that's modeled on Jesus Christ, his character, his self-sacrificial love, his passion for the truth. It's a new way of life. It's a new lifestyle. As followers of Jesus, we have to play our part by obeying him, by walking in his footsteps, by living life God's way. This new identity that we have as followers of Jesus will result in a totally changed lifestyle. It's a lifelong process of transformation in the image of Christ. Some of you will be familiar with some verses, uh, a message that, that Paul gave to the church in Rome. Romans chapter 8, where he talks uh, in, in the older versions of our Bible about our being conformed to the likeness of God's Son. Here's those verses from the message. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to change, to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. God decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. It's an ongoing process. It's a lifetime's journey of transformation. This new identity is about becoming who we were born to be. Redeemed by our Savior, Jesus Christ, born into the family of God, having a new identity as sons and daughters of God, living a life that pleases God, and becoming more and more like Jesus. Let's pray. First of all, a prayer of thanks to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father God, you are all-powerful and all-loving. 
You created this world and everything in it. Thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, into this world to show us the full extent of your love. Lord Jesus Christ, you came into this world to seek and to save the lost. By your death on the cross, you have paid the ransom price. We are forgiven, we are set free, we have a new identity as sons and daughters of God. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you that you live within us, transforming us into the men and women God created us to be. Holy Spirit, be present here and now, bringing each one of us into a new relationship with Jesus. Amen. Amen. And I'd like to pray a prayer, which we can all pray, to start that new relationship with Jesus or to be sure of our new relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I think it would be good if we all stood. And I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer after me, to make this your prayer and to speak out these words, inviting Jesus, to come into our lives. Lord Jesus Christ, together. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. I'm Please forgive me. I now turn from everything I know to be wrong. I turn to you. Thank you that you died on the cross for me. So that I could be forgiven, redeemed and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness, a new identity in Christ, and the gift of your Holy Spirit. I now receive that gift, and I choose to follow you. And make you Lord of my life. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit. To be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Do sit down. And if you just prayed that prayer, you've started a new, a brand new relationship with Jesus Christ. 
your life will be forever changed. And that's something we want to thank God and praise God for. We're going to break bread together this morning. We're going to celebrate communion. And here's a wonderful opportunity to confirm what we have just prayed. It's really appropriate that uh, on Remembrance Sunday, we not only remember those who have suffered and died, that we may enjoy national and individual freedom. But we also remember the one who paid the ultimate price, that we may have forgiveness, freedom, and eternal life. Jesus said this, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. That is what Jesus has done for us, his friends. And today we obey the instruction of Jesus who told his followers to do this in remembrance of me. We take bread and wine, the symbols of Jesus' body and blood, and we thank God that we are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. And we break bread together, celebrating our new relationship with our Heavenly Father, who loved us so much that he gave his one and only Son. Today we break bread together as a redeemed people, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as those who have a common identity as children of God and as followers of Jesus. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The body of Jesus broken for us. We do this in remembrance of Jesus and all that he has achieved for us by his death on the cross. And Jesus said, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have achieved for me by your death on the cross. Thank you that I am ransomed, healed, restored, and forgiven. Amen.